You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Good evening, church. Hi, everyone. Good evening. It's great to have you here this evening. All right, let's get into the word. Okay, so I've seen a few faces in the morning, and it's exciting. Hi, Bukayo. <laughs> Sorry, that's the thing with evening service. We're not many like that, like that. So you can recognize, hello, sir, how are you? Awesome. It's great to see everyone. Okay. So let's do this. Um, We continue in our teaching, honest conversations about money. I'm on a time management something. So let's just say that I may not be able to play like I would have loved to, but I will still ask a few questions, so indulge me. But what has been the greatest lesson learned this entire, we've done five weeks now, yeah? This is the fifth Sunday of this teaching, so what has been um, your biggest takeaway so far? Who's going to go? It's out loud. God wants you to have a good life, to enjoy yourself. Okay, awesome. So that means you've not been enjoying yourself prior to now. Okay, you've been on this. <laughs> you've been feeling guilty about enjoying yourself. Okay, please go ahead. Okay, awesome. You're, you're, you're preaching my message. This is how you know people that were in, in the morning service. <laughs> So she says that as we are blessed to have that good life, we're also blessed to, we're blessed for good works. Yeah? Awesome. Uh, that's literally what we'll be talking about this evening for the benefit of those who weren't in, an, in the earlier service. Any other person want to share something outside of this week? Yes, Bukaya. God is your source. Not necessarily your job. So if like your job is it. the vessel through which you're blessed, but the source is God. Okay, so God is your source, not necessarily your job. Your job is just a, the vessel. a vessel, a, a channel. Yeah. yeah, and if that closes, God will open another. Sorry? And if that shuts, God will open another. Okay, if that shuts, God will open another because it's really just a channel. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. But speaking about channels, what other channels do we have? Yeah, anyone want to share? So the job is one. And that's, while we're thinking of other channels, that brings me to something very interesting that I've observed with us as humans, especially in our generation, um, this generation of young people. Um, we sometimes forget that it is God that is the source. And so we have the tendency to idolize our, our jobs. Yeah? Can anyone relate to that? Being there, done that, I have. Yeah? where it looks like your job is everything. And so in a bid to not lose the job, you give it everything. And that's not saying to be slothful with your, your job. Absolutely not. Because there's a level of excellence and diligence that 
the job requires, as with everything. Scripture will say, whatever your hands find to do, do it as unto the Lord. Okay, so I, I have a lot more people here. It's tough to face this place, so I'm just going to be switching from here. You guys are like two extremes, because this middle side is literally empty. Um, can I suggest, please, can we just converge, if you don't mind? Thank you so much. So that I'm one direction now tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. You all are very kind. Okay, so I was speaking about people where, um, where we sometimes confuse our job. Um, just as Bukayo mentioned, we assume our job is our source. And so we overdo when it comes to the job and we forget to... Uh, at the expense of the God that gave us the job, can, how many people can relate? How many people have ever been on that road? Awesome. Thank you for your honesty. So what else? What other channels? People. Yeah? So there's that rich uncle or rich auntie you have that in your mind you have idolized as well. Unconsciously, in fact. When you think about a need, is that rich uncle that comes to mind meeting that need? How many people can relate? Some people is even parents. For some, some of us is our parents. There's no need whatsoever. You figure... Man, I only just need to put a phone call through to my father or to my mother and they will sort it until the day God happens, God forbid, something happens and that tap gets shot. Then we are waking to our reality and we understand that. Please, can we turn off this spotlight? Looks like it's affecting us here. There's this roving spotlight, multimedia. Please help us shut it down. We don't need to spotlight any. Is it even a spotlight? It's not a spotlight. It's a whatever light, yeah. Yeah, it's not a spotlight, but it's right here. It's, it's this one. Multimedia, please help us. Ah, not that one, sirs. The one in the middle. Okay, there are two, actually. Well, there are even more than two. Those orange lights that are running around, please just kill them. Thank you. All right, so... Um, we continue in the topic um, tonight is money on a mission, money on a mission. And I want to establish two things which are not strange. They're things we either have heard before or things that you have heard in the course of this teaching series. Yeah. I was going to say three things, but Bukaya already said one, so I'll still stick with three. One is that God is our source. Very simple, almost simplistic. We assume we know it. But in the actual life and living, we forget it sometimes that God is our source. It's very easy to forget, especially if you've built a habit over the years of depending on people or depending on strategies. Um, so you know how it is. You invest money. You're expecting dividends to come from that money. You plan that you use the, uh, the, the interest or the dividends end on that particular fund. You use it for something. It's planning, essentially, which makes a lot of sense. But sometimes your projections and your forecasts don't pan out the way you, you intended for them to. And so you're stuck. And then we come back to God. So when I say God is our source, again, it sounds very simple. But I'm re-emphasizing that because oftentimes in the actual daily living, we forget it. In the actual daily living, we plan like God is an afterthought. In fact, for some it is that God is the plan B, 
the fallback plan is God. He's never really at the beginning of it. He's the one you fall back on when all hope is lost, when you have lost money or when your plans have not really, you know, come together. Yeah? So that's the first thing. The second thing is that money flows in the direction of value. Again, it's nothing new, but it's something to remind ourselves about. Money would flow in the direction of value. Um, what that means, in essence, is money will not go to the poorest places. It won't go to the place where there is the most need. It will go in the direction where it can be converted into, um, it, it is recognized as a resource and it's put into good use, which speaks to, um, it buttresses the topic for tonight. You know, what we'll be discussing, I'll be asking just, asking us uh, a few questions. And my expectation is that we'll be able to share experiences, we'll learn um, as God gives us grace tonight, okay? Now, the third thing is that money is a finite resource, yeah? So three things, God is our source. Second is that money flows in the direction of value. And the third is that money is a finite resource. Now, what that simply means is that your one million naira. Okay, for those who are in the morning service, when Pastor TJ was talking about one naira, it was one naira, yeah? One naira being pocket money for two weeks. And some people in the band were freaking out. Like, how is that even possible? Um, buying Miss Pie for, is it five cobble or ten cobble? He said it, ten cobble, you know? Now, modern day... Um, the future value of that cash flow back then, when he was talking in 1983-84, I'm sure even he would not have imagined that that's meat pie. How much is meat pie now? That's like, well, let's, good meat pie. Three, good. Well, let's assume that he was buying Sweet Sensation meat pie then at 10 Kobo. What is Sweet, what, how much is it now? 350. Really? 400. Okay, I have no idea. 350, 400. Let's just work with, let's be conservative and work with 350. Yeah? How many 10 cobbles is in 350? 3,500? Or 350? 35,000? How many 10 cobbles? 3,5? Yeah? 3,5. Aha. So 35,000. 10 cobbles. Yeah, so... That gives you an idea of, I mean, ten, cobbles then, <laughs> how many would they have had to put together? But the same value, or, or, or I mean, the value of that 10 cobbles then compared to what it is now, essentially, money will appreciate over time. Um, and in the case of our own dear country, money loses its value too. Yeah? So the, while the price of items would appreciate, uh, in the naira and kobo of it, or in the pounds and, and shillings, or the pens and the and the yeah, pounds and pens, the dollar and the whatever, what's the other one? What's cents? Thank you. It it doesn't correlate. It absolutely doesn't correlate. So the value of your that your one million or ten million that looks like a big deal right now, give it a few more years, you find that it's not it's lost value essentially, and so. Money will flow in the direction of value. People who are able to utilize it for the purpose for which it was intended, that is grow it, um, dispense it, yeah? Um, as we go along um, in our teaching tonight. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. If you have your Bibles, please open there. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound 
toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. That looks like the King James Version. Is that even the scripture at all? 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 8. So, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Now, Dami said something. God wants her to have a good life. That is absolutely correct. This scripture shows that God is interested in us all living well. Yeah? It says you always having all sufficiency. I find that what causes problem is usually our understanding of how much. In fact, people have asked the question, how much money is too much money? Um, does God want me to be rich? God wants you to have all things. He wants you to have sufficiency in all things. Um, people have also asked questions. And one of the things I like about evening services is that we can be real and we can ask the burning questions when it comes to um, whatever it is we're discussing. In this case, money. So, uh, when I find myself in a situation where it looks like I don't have enough and we genuinely all just happen to fall in that space sometimes, you know, and it feels like you're struggling financially and then you hear this scripture, you read this scripture that God wants me to have sufficiency in all things. Note that all things, that's all there. Money is just a subset of it. Or financial well-being, financial health is just a subset of the very many things that God promises you. Yeah? So what happens then? How, how do we address our mind when we are in, faced with this scripture and it looks like it's not aligning with our reality? That's the question for us to answer. It's not, it's not rhetoric. So what do you do or what have you had to do in a situation where it feels like what the word is saying does not appear to be your current reality? What do you do? Whine to God about it. Absolutely. That's an option. Okay, you ask. You whine. You ask. What's going on here? Ah, right. So you ask God for his perspective on the matter. Okay. Any other person? Anybody else? Right. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Let me amplify. So she says, if she simply, the word is true. Yeah. So if it's not, if she's not seeing it, then it means there's a problem with her, not with the word. Yeah. How I many people agree with that? Exactly. So if it doesn't look like it's not matching up, then it is us, not the word. And so what do we do when we come to that realization that we are the ones that need to do something about it? What are practical steps you've taken just to help somebody here? Practical steps, yes? Sorry? You listen to the Holy Spirit for direction? Yeah, okay. That's an approach. Any other thing? Has anybody shut it down? 
like just vexed completely. <laughs> you have. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Any other approach? Sorry? Oh, make more room. Make more room. Okay. Make more room. Yeah? You were going to explain. You just sleep. Oh, you solve it for you. You just, ah, wow. Okay, love it. Thank you for your honesty. So you look for alternatives. Okay, so you sleep. You just shut it all down first and go and sleep. Okay, you listen to the Holy Spirit. That's a very spiritual man there. That's another spiritual. You make room. Okay, any other option? Yes, please. Human help, or you ask God for help? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. So. Just in case you didn't hear, she would ask for help, which is a stretch for her, considering that she doesn't... That's kind of like me, actually. Um, I struggle too. So two things I struggled with. I struggled with receiving help. That is even still work in progress, I'll be honest. I don't know how to receive help because I've always enjoyed being the one to help. So I don't know how to ask for help when I need help. And I don't know... Uh, I'm learning how to receive help. Um, also, Lamy mentioned uh, just trying to fix it when it feels like God isn't coming through. That's even another matter because what we even ask there is that the word has shown a certain thing and it doesn't look like it's happening in your life. So you put, you put in the work. <laughs> what if you've been putting in the work and the work has not been working out? Alternatives. Still, your only is just plan B, C, D, E. You, can, you are not here to play. You are not here to waste time. Okay, I'll take two more comments. Yes. thing is that I, there are bits of everything that I can actually, in fact, everybody sharing here has shared one aspect of my life at, at some point. This is, this is me in a nutshell. I've been through different phases, um, and I would say that the face that I am at now, so let me see, I'm trying to find someone who's like a spiritual juggernaut that I'm aspiring to. Uh, help me, guys. 
who's somebody that needs something and just absolutely zeroes on God. They don't, nah, they don't look for alternatives. They don't look for source for help. They don't, <laughs> somebody's a bishop boy, a dick boy. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, let's say Paul. Let's say Paul. Yeah, Paul, because Paul has several scriptures there where just, it's me and God. My face is set as a flint. I'm not looking to man. In fact, sometimes a lot of pride self, he will express himself and say, look, you know what, there's nothing that I need that God cannot absolutely supply and all. Uh -huh. I'm aspiring to get there. But the face that I am on right now with God is that childlike trust. It comes with throwing tantrums too. And um, so I've come from different levels and different faces. I've come from, let me tell you guys, I've come from the place of, I'll say, God, I need this phone. Yeah? For, as an example, I need this phone. I'm trusting you for this phone. And then I'll go and start putting money aside. I'll have an investment. And just in case, um, I would have also planned. I always have like three, four, five plans. In addition to the God, I'm trusting you. I was once at that face. I was at the face at some point before that face where... I believed God could not be bothered with mundane things. And so I would only trust him for like the super major things. I've been at the place where learning to trust God, writing out my declarations and having a visual representation of the things that I want just up on my wall there. I, I mean, I can remember my first car before I got married. Um, I actually had it up on my wall and it happened you know, and there's one car now that I'm eyeing. I'm like, I should actually try that because I've not done that. In I've, not, I've not had to do that for a car. I'm like, ah, car, that's like the list of my issues right now. The things I'm believing God for, they are, they are major. But there's now this car that I'm feeling. I'm like, I should actually just put it up on the wall again, you know, and just be communing with it in addition to the other things. But yeah, I've come from different places. I've come from places where, oh, from the face where I've just been, God, I want this thing, and I want it X period, and it did not happen, and I've just gone to sort myself out. We'll be all right. Me and you will be very fine, you know. But where I am at right now is that place where I know he has the capacity to, I know he's willing to, and I've just chosen to trust. It's not the easiest of places to be, to be honest. Again, like I said, my mentor, Paul, he's at that he's where, where he is, nothing moves him, nothing phases him. Where I am, I'm still like a child because, you know, it's like a child that plants a bean seed, yeah? If you have nephews and nieces or you've grown up with little ones, when they plant something, maybe they get a science project from school and they're asked to plant, children are not the most patient. Ah, no. That means they expect it to, to sprout leaves the next day. Something has to shoot out. And so every time they go there, my kids, they will go, the little one especially, she'll water it. So overwatering itself will not make the bean seed grow because they go, they don't let the beans, bean plants rest or bean, bean seed and the soil, they don't let it rest. Mommy, what's going on? This thing is not growing and all. So sometimes God and I are like that. I'm learning how to commit it into his hands and go to sleep. And just not even bother. Now, it's, 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 it can be tough for each and every person in the room here. You probably agree, especially when it's a major need. Something like, like a house rent. You know that if I don't sort this out, they probably throw me out, you know. Um, and genuinely, you had been putting aside the money. 
but you had an emergency and you had to use the money. You had to, you know, divert the funds elsewhere. And it never feels like, God, I'm waiting on you to just come through. I remember one incident that I just, um, okay, no, if, I think it was a year or so plus after I had quit my job. Um, and so I was just chilling. I, had start, I quit with a lot of energy. Now, that's another story for another day. But I didn't know what I was going to do very clearly. Um, when God said to leave. It's weird because when you hear God said to do something, you expect that there's a plan, but there was no plan. So even saying it then, you could only say God said to people who would understand. I remember my bosses then asking me, you are smart. You are, in, you are next in line for X role. Why are you leaving? I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I just need to take a break. That's the corporate formal response. What are you going to do? Um, I haven't quite figured it out just yet. And it makes you look really unserious when you say things like that. So I just had a few opportunities and a few gigs that I, I, I put forward. And it's like, oh, yeah, so I'm going to start my own uh, corporate training outfit. Because by then, I used to facilitate trainings uh, for different banks and stuff. And so it feel, felt like, okay, you seem to have a plan. That's fine, blah, blah, blah. I mean, feel free to come back just in case it's not working. And you want to give you, a, they extend a window of opportunity to you just in case this your entrepreneurial journey does not pan out. You can come back to us. We'll take you. Anyway, I left. And of course, I entered the entrepreneurial world and plenty of bows, you know, making pitches and um, getting peanuts for hard work, you know, I had a few clients on retainer, and what they were paying me was really miserable. I barely struggled to cover my costs. You just expect, because you're a planner, this money will tie you over for a decent period. And then when it's done, you're like, okay, God, we're waiting. When is the next opportunity? I went out on a limb. I'm expecting an Abrahamic type of uh, experience where you just made, you know, you were making way for Abraham. You, you took him from somewhere to somewhere now. Where you took him to, you made provision for him. Anyway, long story short, on this particular day, I can never forget, I was so broke. Now, I have been working literally all my life not working to earn per se, because when I was in uni, I was working, but I wasn't working because I needed money. I was working because I just enjoyed being able to give value or create value. I enjoyed solving problems. And so here I was, I've been independent all my life. Even when I married, I came into a marriage as an independent woman, you know, earning. And now you are so broke that you have to be asking, we need to buy gas. You know, we need to buy, you know. So it was not the easiest of places to be. I learned a lot of humility in that season of my life. I was humbled. I ate humble pie, you know. I would go and miss my husband. Say, sir, the girl is broke into a razor, you know. My husband was very gracious, put me on an allowance that period, but it wasn't, there's nothing like being able to earn your own money. And so God and I were having a conversation and I was expressing my, my grief. Um, the next day, I was just lying down in my living room downstairs. I heard a knock on the door, and I opened the door. Now, it was weird because my estate, you have to call to come in. So first of all, I wasn't expecting anyone, so I just assumed it was a random person. You know, sometimes people miss their way, and they come and knock on people's doors. And so I opened the door. It was some dispatch rider with a letter and... I collected the letter. I realized it was from my former place of employment. Now I'd been out of there for over a year. So I collected it. I just thought, oh, it was a letter. I opened it, saw that it was my exit 
entitlement, the letter where they acknowledge your exit and all that, and they communicate your, your allowances, which they had paid over a year ago. So I, of course I was not interested. So they had sent me a virtual and e-copy initially. So they were just following up with the hard copy. So I just tossed the letter somewhere and stayed in my depressive states, just meditating on, on my life. And the Holy Spirit said to go and pick up the letter. Like, there's nothing in there that I'm not aware of or that I have not encountered before now. Go and pick it up. Can you just obey and pick it up? You know, and I was arguing. I'm very real here, guys. I was arguing because I'm like, there's no point. Why am I picking up the letter? I'm just depressing myself for that. They've paid me the money I have spent. The money. What, I, what, what do you want to go and check inside? Go and pick up the letter. So I picked up the letter and I read it. And it was pretty much information that I had already seen. And... I dumped it, and he said to pick it up again and look at the analysis of the exit entitlement. Okay, so I picked it up, and this was, this was in uh, 20, what now, 20, what are we now, 2021? This must have been in 20, I'm even struggling to remember when I quit my job then. I think it was 2014 or so, yeah. So I picked it up again, looked at it, and realized, just in the course of reading through, did a quick math in my head and realized that I was underpaid to the tune of about a million. And you can imagine how my mood just changed. I was like, free one million naira. I just stumbled on right now. I carried my phone immediately, called one of my former colleagues there that worked in compensation and benefits and said, guy, I just got you people's letter now. I just saw that you people paid, you people underpaid me. He said, it's not possible. We don't make such mistakes. I go and check. He said I should send my statement of account, um, what I was, they want to see what I was paid. So I sent it. And then he compared with it, like, oh, wow, we actually own you one year. You know? So my point is this just as she has said, oftentimes we assume because it's money, um, God is not as interested or is not as mindful. And so we try and create plans, alternatives. And I know people who have been genuinely in need this close. And in fact, literally back against the world type scenario. And I have quite a number that I can share. Or is it the time that I was also again in this entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneurial life, I was cash trapped at some point. I think I had 10K in my account. And now, guys, you know some people say I'm broke, but they have like a ton of investments, you know, they just, they just don't have ready cash, but there's like funds and all. Maybe aside from the funds that are like for my kids and things like that. So when I say I'm broke, that means woman abroad type dry. Like you have liquidated investments to sort stuff out. I had like 10K then. And the Holy Spirit said, give these two people, they came to mind. They had not had conversations with me prior to that time. He says, give them the money. I'm like, hey, first of all, 10K, what will that do in whatever it is that they are dealing with? Now, I did not know those two individuals had anything they were dealing with. It was just an instruction. Send 5K to this one, send 5K to that one. I have learned to obey, and so I sent. I didn't have any money by this time. Sometimes God will give you instructions that are for your sake. You assume you are doing some people favor, but it's actually more for your benefit. I was going to, the reason why I was broke at that time was because my husband and I were just starting a new business. And so we're putting our funds into that business. 
Now, the two people that I sent the money to acknowledged later, you know, they acknowledged much later and spoke about just randomly, oh, thank you so much. You have no idea what that money you sent, the need it met. But let me tell you, that's not the, that's not the testimony. It was, great, it was great that I could um, help us where they needed a need that they had not previously communicated. But the real testimony is we needed some money, in, we needed like 500K that week to sort out something in the business. Yeah? And I was the one who was responsible for ensuring that money came. But I didn't have it. And I was actually thinking of liquidating, you know, this long-term investment. Yeah, where you, ideally you shouldn't touch. That was randomly. This, this is a friend, a family friend, a business partner, someone like I'm in business with, who I had also helped way back. Just called randomly and were gisting. And he then asked about the business. I said, ah, man, this is what's going on. Because his family, I could share with him that this is what is going on. And in fact, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, oh, no, don't worry. Before I knew it, as we we're having that conversation, he wired 500K to me. So I just said, ah, thanks. So I just saw an alert now from you. I'll send it to you at month end because I was expecting some funds to mature. And he said, oh, no, don't bother about it. So I gave out 10K that week. And now this is not money doubling. It's not, this is not even doubling. But you get my point. This isn't going on a whim to, oh, let me give money so I can get money back. Absolutely not. This is... Your money will go in the direction of value, yeah? And your money will also bring you value. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody here. Because God is looking for people to commit resources into their hands, to be able to use for the greater good of mankind. So part of our declaration when we pray over our finances, when we give funds here in church, is that we say that we are channels through which the families of the earth are blessed. So... The larger your capacity to be a channel, you know, there are channels that are like what now? This wide. There are channels that are like this wide. So the more your capacity to desire to be that channel or like the word Bukayo used, to be the vessel that God will use, the greater your capacity to be able to attract the resources to, be, to meet those needs. Yeah? Does that make sense? The more willing you are to partner with God, with your financial resource, the more he's willing to commit into your hands because he sees. And, and guys, you can't scheme God. I think I should put that out there. Because there, there are times we think, oh, okay, so let me just package myself and just find the people that I would be giving money to on a, on a regular so that God can be blessing me. He will bless you. The people that you are blessing will pray for you. If I remember my, one of my former pastors, he used to say that, look, the reason why some people, there are some religions that actually have goodwill as a big part of what they do. I think it's the Muslims, yeah? When they are fasting, it's a, goodwill, doing good is a big part of, of their, their religion. They do give Sarah and things like that. I think it's called Sarah, yeah? How many of you are in the room here? Okay, I'm on my own. But there's something they do, yeah? They just give, they give stuff. They bless the less privileged, you know. It's scriptural, actually. Let's read it together. What they do, yeah, in their religion, it's actually scriptural. But half the time, you and I, we don't do it because we don't know. But let's read the Bible. It says in 1 Timothy 6.18, 
He says, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Yeah? So there are two dimensions to it. There is you storing up treasures for yourself, just as Jesus would say. Where moth and rust, uh, and rust cannot destroy. You are laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. But in, from here on earth, there's also a reward that you attract when you give to the poor. In fact, in Proverbs 11.24, it's, no, that's not the scripture I want to read. There's a scripture in Proverbs that speaks about you giving to the poor and lending to God. So when you give to the poor, you are, lend, you are giving on behalf of God. When you give to the less privileged, you are giving on behalf of God and you are lending to him. And here's what we know about God, that he owes no man, right? Is anybody, is anybody, is God still owing anybody here? <laughs> a, a few things, right? Okay, somebody said God is owing them iPhone 13 Pro. Anybody else? God is owing somebody a house. Aha. A car. Don't worry, it's all coming. Yeah? Sir? 200 million dollars. Very small. Very small. Okay, so just two thoughts, yeah? Um, in addition to everything that I have said. I've spoken about the need to give to the poor and to the less privileged. That's an, an opportunity that we have from Scripture. Lending to the poor or giving to the poor, lending to God. Um, not storing up treasures for ourselves only, but in all this, with all the sufficiency in all things that we have received, being able to partner with God with those resources is so critical. Have you ever wondered why Jesus would say to, I mean, we know the reason why, but think about it in a broader dimension. When the woman who broke the alabaster box came to Jesus and did all that, and uh, it was Judas, right? It was Judas that said, oh, we could have sold this and given to the poor. Yeah? And what was Jesus' response? Does anybody know? You'd always have the poor. You would always have the poor. So this woman, what she's doing is to honor me. And there's one of the points there that I would mention very quickly. But more importantly is just the fact that Jesus would say, look, the poor you would always have amongst you. And whether it is by lack of financial intelligence or just their lot in life, the kind of family that they were born into, their inability or capacity not to be able to create wealth, whatever it is. Because we've seen a few people come out of that whole poor uh, or poverty reading system and made something of their lives, yeah? However, the, 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 the reality is that you would always have this whole wealth uh, disparity and social strata. And so when God gives you and I the capacity to be able to create wealth, yeah? His expectation is that I am committing resources into your hand to be able to help the others, to be able to help others around you who do not have the capacity to earn like you are earning. Um, and we see that in Leviticus. Let's open the Bible to Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19 from verse 9. It says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not fully reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard. In addition to everything that you are, every of the harvest. And some of us, I'm not even going to lie about it. 
because of the kind of father that I had growing up and how he had done me plenty of on financial prudency. My father is one of the most prudent and the most generous people that I know. I took the generous part of him. The, I will pay your school fees with my, my, my books money, you know. Like we are, <laughs> the way you got admission is how I got admission into uni. Yes, but I will carry your burden on my head and pay your, you, any need you have. You can't pay your school fees, I will pay it. But I will use the books, my, my own um, allowance for my learning resources, my materials. I will use it. I've paid for somebody's visa before to go to America. Me, I, I did not even apply for, <laughs> I didn't apply to go and study abroad. But I paid for somebody's visa fees and I wasn't earning then. You know, so my father could not understand for the longest time why I was very confused about finances. But I just always wanted to meet a need. And so we always had that issue because by the time he does the, uh, the financial analysis for me, I'll present my statement of accounts. He will review it. Everything, red biro everywhere. I'm never, in, <laughs> he's always wondering why do you always need money? Because we give you allowance, you know. You also make money. So why are you always needing money? But anyway, I, didn't, I, I, I got really confused because I just felt it was my responsibility to meet every need around me. And I would be so burdened by the need that I would actually carry the need home to my parents and be justifying why they need to give me money to pay my classmates' school fees. Where are the parents of the people? What's going on here? Yeah. But um, I mean, I recalibrated afterward, and I think I have a decent amount of balance. Now, a lot of times, I, I go and check with the Holy Spirit. You know I'm getting emotional about this matter right now, so I need you to just help me. And he will give me wisdom on how to handle it. But that being said, this scripture here, at some point, in a bit to protect myself, what I started doing was I became a bit, um, not extreme, but if I give you money and you come and tell me you have spent it X amount, where is the change? Because I don't want to feel like you are defrauding me. So I'll ask you, so where is the change? You know, if there's no change, I can understand. If there's change and you just decide not to just talk because you know that I have the capacity and I don't need the change, why? Don't determine for me. I will determine if I want to leave the change with you, you know. Um, also, I know a few people who have issues giving money to the beggars on the streets because they've been duped um, by them. So they've discovered that somebody who was claiming to have a broken leg, all of a sudden they saw the person a few days after. The leg is so straight, very straight. It's not even bow. <laughs> Spending the money they have collected, that's one person that is pained, <laughs> you know. But the thing is, I ask myself, how do I position? And it's probably a question somebody has here. Because we know that it's a lot of times these people come to you. Um, there are some that you can very clearly tell are going to use that money to go and buy drugs once you give it to them and all that. But this is the measure that I apply when I have to. So first of all, I make sure that I have um, money that I will not be hurt if you like, go and use it to drink. If you like, go and use it. I'm not enabling your bad behavior. You came and you said you wanted money for food. Sometimes I have bought the food for them. So like I'm in traffic, depending on how I feel. And I check a lot with my spirit. And sometimes I don't even, I just give. But if there's bread around, it's food you need, right? I will buy you the bread. Um, I remember one little boy meeting me somewhere in Lekki one day. And just going around every can, speaking about the need to want to pay his jam fees and all. Of course, I get very interested in things like that. Actually, 
stopped my car. I think it was Twin that was with me that day. And I said, oh, okay, great. Give me your phone number. I told Twin, collect his phone number. Jam, right? No problem. I'm going to call you this night. This jam, you are going to write it. You will buy the form. I will buy the form for you. And I was very serious. I was asking him questions. He was there. Boy speaking very intelligently. We collected that number. I drove off. Started calling that number. Mm -mm. Off. That number was off. Completely off. You know. So I agree and I understand the fact that there's so many people who are on a bid to, who they, I mean, their, their plan is to just defraud. Somebody was telling me about some beggar that they know that has built a pure water company just, from, just off of begging. Some people have heard stories about this. They built houses, so they will come to a different part of Lagos to beg, but they have a house. You know, you can't, I don't even know. <laughs> I just said, people, just follow the, follow the Holy Spirit. And they are not the only ways you can give. They are, a ton of needs, genuine needs. Just beside us here at Boki Village, there's, there are shanties there with a lot of l <clears throat> impoverished people. I remember there's a particular family, one guy who used to come to church here, so he had, a, he had a baby at some point. I didn't even know that was where he came from. He had a baby, and this was maybe some four years ago or so. They said, we come and do naming ceremony. They came and met me, pastor, come and do naming. I said, okay, no problem. And that was my first naming ceremony, by the way, as a pastor. So I had prepared, and then I came to church. The, the person had texted the address. When I first saw, um, I think it said Abokio. I can't even remember. The person I went with had the address. And then we were driving. I went to my car, my driver. I got to a place. She started asking, where are we going to? Where? We called the individual. He came out and met us. Say, ah, no, where we are going to, we can't carry car there. I first got a little concerned. Thank God I was with a guy. So by the time we're done and we got to the place, the house, we could not even enter inside the house. Let's start from there. Have you guys been to that place? That, this is Aboki village. You have. The house, we could not enter in. So it was some place with wooden, whatever, just outside. That was where we did the naming ceremony. You know, beautiful baby. I conducted that ceremony, but let's just say that my heart was more concerned for this child they have brought into the world in this state. That was, a child, that was one that I was most um, heavy-hearted for. I'm like, man, so people should, they don't need to, they don't have any business getting married and having kids, honestly. But you see, they are the ones that have the most number of children. The most, you go in there, don donating food and everything, every time. There are so many needs to be met around us. That's the truth. Can we meet it all? Maybe not. Even the big foundations, Bill, Ga Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the likes, they can't solve all the problems. But God will commit resources into you, um, into your hands, into my hands, to be able to meet the needs. Jesus would say, look, I was hungry, you clothed me. Oh, I was naked, you clothed me. I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. He expects us to be his hands and his feet. So with everything, in addition to everything you have learned this month about enjoying your life, uh, you know, about living well, about having sufficiency in all things, another fundamental thing you need to remember is how to partner with God with your financial resource. It is so important. 
I can go on and on. I'm sure if we take stories here, you all can share stories of how you have literally seen God bless you because you were willing to partner with him with your financial resource. Yeah? So carry out good works. That's the summary of it. Do good works. Scripture says we should abound in good works. It's one of our declarations. We say when we give to God here um, that he's blessing us, making us a channel through which his blessings flow and enabling us to abound in good works. It is important because there's so much need around us. And guess what? It's not going to get any better. So even if your prayer is that God let everybody be rich, first of all, that is not scriptural because the poor you will always have among you is what Jesus said. Yeah? So you cannot pray for everybody to be rich. There's a certain mindset that attracts wealth. And unfortunately, some people do not have it and will not have access to have it. Not because they are unwilling, but because the environment is just not there for them to. Some of us, your work, part of your good work is to be able to enable. So it's not only to teach it's not only giving them fish, it's to teach them how to fish. Some people are like missionaries. You will go into those, those impoverished um, locations. You will partner with people who can teach, who can speak their language. Let me know. There's something I do um, with women of low literacy levels and low income levels. I teach them for free. Gather them together. There's a school that in, uh, on the mainland where that happens. So the, the foundation helps them, teaches them the art of batik making. I just go in there to teach them bookkeeping. They cannot afford me. I mean, will they pay like the banks? Obviously not. But it's the way that I know to help them. In addition to if you give them money from now to tomorrow, it doesn't solve their problem. But when you enable them with a skill, yeah, and you that you're financially literate, you can teach them on how to. Sometimes the things that you and I know and we take for granted, when you share with these people, the way they feel, when you tell them the impact of, and they're the ones that eat out the most, just so you know. Have you ever engaged these women? They eat out the most. They rice and beans, bread. They are always buying food. They don't cook food. They buy food every time. They are always buying Coke and Pepsi. The, do you know the ones they call a robot? Because you all are very bougie. <laughs> but yes, they drink, they, as in fizzy drinks accompany their meals. And they don't have money. They are broke. Just do a simple calculation for them how much a bottle of Coke costs. How much it costs. They are their fizzy drink enjoyment. Cold one, what it costs on a weekly, a monthly, and an annual basis. They are shocked. Meanwhile, this is information that you and I, because we budget, we plan, we know how much goes to enjoyment, how much goes to, you know, investment, savings. So when you're teaching them these things, they are, the, the, it's like they have a light bulb moment. So, summary, guys. You and I need to do good works. You and I need to send our money on errand. How many people are committing to doing more? I, want, I don't want to assume that you're not doing at all. But this holiday season, this Christmas season, who are you planning to put a smile on their face? Your nanny, your, your parents' driver, you know, who are you going to do something for? Who are you going to... You, some child somewhere is praying for some type of gift. And here's another thing. I've grown up with people who have said... I've heard different things when it comes to money and helping people. Where someone will say, oh... Why should a child that is of a certain background have access to this type of toy? What is, that's not what they need. What they need is food. But you know, sometimes you would sow a seed that is, I don't want to say, saying sow a seed sounds very spiritual and deep. 
but you would do something that is different. You would buy, and this is not, I don't know if this is for anybody here, but an example is this. That child that has never had a bike, yeah? And a bike is not, the, is not what the, I mean, a bike will not put food on their table. Do you understand? In fact, if you buy the bike, they probably go and sell it. That's another thing. But my point is, I've given gifts. Let me give you an example. Um, some years back, I started a foundation, and I remember one of the orphanages that I was partnering with then, I decided to, that particular year, it was Children's Day, instead of giving them the regular gifts that we typically would take to the home, I decided I was going to take them out. So I took them to the cinema. It was City Mall then, um, Magnolia Hall. So booked down an entire cinema for them and had a party in there for them. So we watched a movie. Now, I remember sharing that idea with some members of my team and it's, it was weird. It was weird because how does that add value to them? You know, what they need are clothes, food. I'm like, these are the things that they get on the regular. These are the things people will support. I, I still want to give them an experience. And for the longest time, that seemed really like, what do you mean by you want to give them an experience? I want a child to be able to dream. Do you understand? So I, I don't know that a bike is a good example, but you get my point. This holiday season, would you let the Holy Spirit breathe and brood on your heart and just inspire you to put a smile on someone's face? You know, and then even going forward, what needs are you going to pick off? Because I feel like the way ideas flow is also the way needs are flowing. So who is going to be grateful that you exist? Um, what's the word now? Inefficiency or um, just bad behavior where people are supposed to plan and they don't plan and you are then having to pick up their mess. No. But there are some people that genuinely don't have. How are we going to help them? As a church, one of the things um, as an outcome of the Art of God project is that we're adopting a score and we're going to build, uh, we're going to create an art room or an art laboratory where we would resource them. Now, that art room is supposed to be therapeutic. It's also supposed to be transformative. It's going to be the best part of the school that every child would want an experience going through that room. And Life Pointers would have an opportunity to, to volunteer coaching hours. So it's not just for, we're going to have, we'll be partnering with um, the art community to get volunteer art teachers, yeah, who would commit teaching hours. But in addition to that, say, for example, Bukaya wants to teach on faith or on hygiene. You know, we're going to, you guys are going to have an opportunity to volunteer your time, if it's just one hour a month or something, to go and engage with the students and to teach them. Yeah, that's one thing. But this December, before we even go too far into next year, this December, we're going to Aboki community on the 26th of December. And we're going to have... Um, uh, a, a what, what, what do we call it? Like a breakfast meat, a soup kitchen, yes, in the morning. Now, 26th of December is a Sunday, is a Sunday so yes, we should be having Sunday service, but we'll have our Sunday service there. Not like service service, you get my point. We're going there, we'll feed them, close them, and a couple other things we'll do there. We'll come back here for service in the afternoon, and then there's also a love exchange that is happening where Bukayo's, uh, she, she has a spare house that she's not using. She'll donate it to, she'll bring it. His spare car, he has two cars. He doesn't need one. He's going to bring it. 
Maybe Bukayo needs a car. Lami needs a car. Lami can... Lami will shop for the car. So we don't even need you to bring those types of big assets, basically. Just come with a picture. Uh, but you have perfume. You have like three perfumes. You're not using them. Your boyfriend gave you, or the boy you did not like gave you perfume. iPhone 13, you have like two. We're saying that 26th of December, just bring it. The plan is for people to shop. So we'll set this place up like a, a bazaar or a souk or whatever. And then people can go around and shop. So it is that I'm bringing stuff. Uh, and I'm also going away with stuff. So I'll bring stuff. Somebody else needs it. Person takes it. I need that. I take it, you know. So we'll be having that um, love exchange. You have a question? <laughs> okay. Husbands who, who display husbands and wives too. <laughs> Potential. Yes? <laughs> There'll be husbands on display too. You can, no, no, but you know we say exchange. So you exchange yourself, or what's, how are you going to exchange? You exchange your iPhone with uh, the husband, or your shoe. Will she, but is she going to bring the wife? You have to bring what you are. Oh, she put herself. Oh, she brought herself. So you'll be on display. The man will be on display. Right. Oh, deep gone. Oh, deep gone. <laughs> are you for exchange? Mm -hmm. But you guys get the picture, yeah? So in the morning, we'll be at Aboki Village. And then um, evening, uh, 7 a.m. Yeah, we'll meet here at 7 a.m. And then the event starts there at 8 o'clock. So guys, there's a lot of work to be done. And God is looking for people he can commit resources to. Yeah? Please, can we have that declaration up so we can wrap up service? Do we have it? Or oh, I'm just going to read it out of my phone. Okay, can we take this declaration together? I am blessed to be a blessing and empowered to meet needs. I am a conduit of God's goodness. I am an extension of his hands, spreading his favor to individuals, communities, and nations through my generosity. My capacity to give is fueled by God's love and not limited by a sense of scarcity. My eyes are open to see the needs of others and my hands are resourced to meet the needs of others. Going forward, my prayer list, my budget, my bank account, and my to-do list all reflect that meeting the needs of others is my priority because it is God's priority. As I bless others, I receive the blessings of a giver. Favor follows me. The name of God is praised and lives are turned around in Jesus' name. Would you just lift up a prayer tonight? And I want us to just be very specific in the next one or two minutes. All of these things we have declared, would you ask God for grace and capacity that 2022 will be different. 2022 is a year in which you prioritize the things that God prioritizes, And God's priority are people. God's priority is man. So that you would be compassionate, you'll be kind. 
you'll be willing to meet needs. Paul would say in Philippians 2, you know, he would say, putting you the needs of others above yourself. In our generation, we're very big on self-care, which is great. We're big on, you, uh, uh, I have to be all right first. I have to take care of myself, which is also a great thing. However, scripture puts it differently for us. Jesus would prioritize the need of others. Paul would advise us to do the same. So can we, because in the, it's, there's a lot of healing and a lot of blessing that comes with prioritizing the needs of others. We're just setting aside your own care. What you need is maybe an iPhone and someone else needs school fees. It can wait. So we're saying, Father, help us to put the needs of others above our own needs. Help us to be sensitive when your spirit is asking us, you know, to respond to a need. Let us not be too analytical to be a blessing. And for someone here, I'm reminded of the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, the scripture says the Levite passed first. He thought he, he, he was too holy, you know, to help that man. The reason why the scriptures would reference him as good Samaritan is because the person in need was a Jew. But here you have the Samaritan who would respond, the least likely person. Do you want to ask God that when he's looking for people to use, when he's looking for people to use to bless families, to resource individuals, communities, that he would find you available. He will find you willing, positioning to be used of God, that he alone will take all of the glory and you would receive the blessings that come from obedience, blessings that come from, you know, doing good works. Someone is to declare that I am abounding in good works in 2022. It's almost as if I'm competing against myself for that. My competition is not to pepper them. My competition is not to show off. It's not to flaunt that I am blessed of God. My competition is good works, that I would outdo myself in my generosity. I would outdo myself in, in my capacity to give, that I will be a, a channel through which the blessings of God will flow in the name of Jesus, that it's not possible for, for his blessings to flow through you and you will not be blessed in the process. Absolutely not. There is no, I mean, a pipe cannot, water cannot pass through a pipe and the pipe will not be wet. It's impossible. And God is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He owes no man. So, Father, we thank you. And we just commit ourselves again. That as, we, as our understanding of, of wealth, of kingdom wealth, deepens, we say, Lord, all that we have belongs to you. So use it for your glory in Jesus' name. We thank you for opportunities to partner with you. Opportunities to reach people to reach people groups, to reach families, to reach communities as individuals and as a church. We say, Lord, that we are generous. We declare in the name of Jesus that our capacity to, to meet needs, to solve problems, it increases tremendously. We thank you and we give you all praise. For the blessings seen in the lives of givers is evidence in ours. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. All right, if you've come to church tonight with something, to, why am I opening my Bible again? Sorry. Please, we should just continue. Yeah, if you've come to church with something to give to God, please go ahead and do that. Can we have the account details? You have a question? Oh, yeah, please go ahead and share. Guys, you don't mind if we take our experience, please? Yeah. 
Okay, so when you were talking about um, taking the kids to the cinema, it reminded me of something similar that I had done. Um, a few months ago, I went to an orphanage, and apart from giving normal things, I sat down with the children and asked them what they wanted to be in life. So I asked for their interest. I just conversed with them, and we had a good time talking. And later, later on, I found that these children actually reached out to me on social media to, like, talk to me about some things that they are going through or if they have a problem, they just feel comfortable talking to me. So before I used to think that, okay, the only way you can come to help these people is through finance. Like, okay, you just have to give them money or you just have to give them things. But like that experience made me understand that there is a whole lot more to give than just money. Yeah. And then now to my question. So what do you do when you feel like you are you you give to a fault, but you're not getting back. You're not getting back. You're not giving to get back, but like you're not just getting back. So what do you do? Great. That is a very interesting question. What do you do when it appears as though you're not getting back? Now, okay, I rephrase the question. The question is, what do you do when you're giving and you are not getting back? Let me not let me not change the question. Yeah? Okay, so hmm. first thing is this. You will not where we sow, oftentimes we expect to reap back from there. But we will not. You know, a lot of times you don't reap where you sow. Yeah? If you give money, the expectation is that you will reap money, right? But that is the beauty of the God that we serve because you will reap money in addition to other things. Sometimes it's not, you give 5K, you are not expecting to, like I said, it's not, dub, it's not a doubling, this thing. But the question I want to ask you is this. You've been given, you say to a fault. Are you financially trapped? Do you find yourself in need financially? Um, and I'm going to allow you to respond to that. Or do you see that the needs you have, you are able to meet them? So, for example, have you, um, with benefit of hindsight, been able to process maybe your, your capacity to attract favor and help? Have you been mindful of how that has then panned out for you. Like people see you and they just naturally want to help you. So things that people would typically struggle with, you find that you don't struggle with them. Yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, so in some aspects of my life, yes. Okay. But you know when you, you need it to be in this particular aspect and you're and not it just, just getting it. So you feel trapped in that particular aspect, but mm. you're getting it in other aspects. So you're, get, you're, you're experiencing it in certain, in areas, certain areas, but in some areas it feels exactly. like... Now, can I'm I ask, trapped. those areas where it feels like you're not... Is it where you actually need finance? Yes. You need money? Yes. Okay. So you and I will have a one-to-one because I want to do a, a, a further deep dive, if you don't mind. Okay. Because... Here is what I know. The word of God is true. God is a rewarder. Yeah? Sometimes I find that because I've been in that situation where I've been broke. I've been given, but I've been broke. Not fed well. And this used to happen to me a lot in school. I remember one type of hunger. 
this was I'm not fasting. This was my eyes were bulging. I could not concentrate. I was so hungry. You know what ended up happening? No, food didn't come to me. I prayed. I prayed. I believed that I had acted like I'd done proper thing, giving some money to somebody who needed it. But food, nothing came to me. I ended up going to meet my roommates then. I can never forget to ask for money to buy bread, saying that I was going to pay in the course of the week. And I learned a big lesson that day, that I did not apply wisdom. I did not apply wisdom. as so You see, because God is not, he's not foolish. And so I cannot act foolishly. So, and I'll give another example. I've seen situations, it happens a lot with Christians. And this is not me saying, well, because like I said, I would engage with you for that just to understand. But I just want to give this example here for people to, to relate to. But I've seen Christians. Scripture speaks about, let me explain the scenario first, and then I would um, juxtapose with the scripture that applies to it. But I have seen Christians that will not attend to the needs of their families, but will do good works. Yeah. So, I remember a case somebody even shared with me that their parents will not pay their own school fees. Yeah? Their father, actually, in this instance, will not pay their own school fees, but will use money and go and give it out and do, I'm doing um, Baba for the, for the community. Meanwhile, the children's school fees, the mother has to hustle to pay the school fees. Now, the scripture I wanted to ref reference is the one that, um, I think it was Paul who said it, that if someone does not take care of the people of his own house, the person is worse than an infidel. Yeah? I find that with money as a finite resource, sometimes we, it, we have the tendency to misappropriate it. Now, Jesus, God will say in that scripture we read earlier, in, first Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 9, he says that you, having sufficiency in all things, will abound to good works. So there is a you first. There is a you first. God has placed those resources so that you can be okay. Now, he has also placed the resources so that you can give. He doesn't want you to internalize and sit and hoard. He wants you to be generous. Yeah? But he knows that you have to accept. It's like an express instruction that deny yourself of something or deprive yourself. Now, there's a difference between denying and depriving. Except there's an express instruction to deprive yourself of something and then use it for, and I've been in those instances. And those ones is by instruction. Like the one I mentioned where I said I needed, I, this was, it was completely unrelated. But it was because I was, acting on instruction, I could understand that a need was met. When I said I had only 10K and God said to give it out. But that is not the, that's not the norm. That's not the everyday behavior. Do you understand? It is that how do I process my life as a, as a mother and as a wife? You have responsibility. When you're single, I can be paying school fees up and down. But as a mother, imagine that I will carry my money. My children have not eaten. And then I'll go and accept it's on instruction. And we find such an instruction in scriptures. The widow that Elijah went to. You see Elijah or Elisha now? It was Elijah. Where she said, oh, this, I only have flour enough to make 
a meal for myself and my son and would die. That was a divine intervention. God was about to turn a lot around and launch into the oil and gas business. Well, oil business. <laughs> so it was left to her to agree or not to agree. I don't know if you get my point. To give towards the man of God. The man of God said, no, go and cook what you have and bring it to me first. She had a choice to say, I just want to eat this and die. Or she had a choice to give it. Now that's his instruction. But sometimes we confuse instruction with, I mean, how do I put it now? We sometimes act foolishly. That's the only way to put it. I've been looking for a nice way to put it, but that's really what it is. We sometimes act foolishly. Where you have a, a, a bill to pay. It's staring you right in, in the front, you know. And you said somebody comes and meets you and tells you a, a, a sub story or a real story, whatever the case is. You carry it and give. Without instruction, it was, you, have just, you have just blown money into the air. But where it is divinely instructed, now the question is, do you hear God? If you can't hear God in the little things, how will you hear him when he's saying give 50% of your salary for an adventure or support a particular course or a particular initiative or carry your money, go and give it. See, there's, sometimes I've, I've heard God say clearly to me, everything, just gather it around. And give it towards this particular course. But you have to hear God do. So that you will not be hungry. So we'll talk further. Yeah. Any other question? Okay, let's rise up and take our closing charge. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.